We all carry unique histories and unseen feelings that, if acknowledged, might help us to bridge our differences. Welcome to Sidewalk Ghosts with Richard Radstone. Short, open-hearted stories that reveal the wisdom and vulnerabilities of unique strangers and confirm just how much our individual influence has upon the world we share. all this great impact in the world and great influence and I did in some ways I worked with a lot of um, different nonprofits and stuff growing up and um, I was working with human trafficking victims in LA for a year and had an incredible time and loved loved doing that I was like I was so happy and just felt like I'd found my purpose and then that's when the rape trauma hit me I had been raped a year before. I started working at that job and didn't understand the uh, the trauma effect that was coming up with me because I was really relating with them and their stories for a reason. And then I went to this deep depression, suicidal depression, and um, and I was at the lowest of my low, and I felt so unseen, so unheard by other people, and. Um, just, they couldn't really understand or relate because I had been through what I had been through. Um, so that was a really tough time for me. And then I spent probably six or so years processing that trauma and every bit of therapy I could possibly get my hands on for free in LA, which is a lot of resources. I went from that to moving to Chicago to, uh, to get married and then diagnosed with cancer, stage four cancer and didn't expect to survive from that. I had a 6% chance of survival. She's open and honest, hides not the pain of her past or diminishes the trauma of being raped, the suicidal depression it triggered, and the rare stage four cancer that almost killed her. And as strange as it sounds, experiences that merely scratch the surface of the hardship she has lived through. Yet, as you absorb her spirit, take in her smile and her laughter, and listen to the perspective she has so painfully learned, an unavoidable comforter can be felt. All reasons to spotlight the stage in handing the microphone to today's stranger now friend, survivor, or even better, healer, Morgan. I was diagnosed Easter Sunday, um, 2021. And it was, to say the least, the hardest, moment of my life. I was sitting there with my husband in the doctor's office and he's like on his laptop working and we're a month out from our wedding and one of the first things the doctor said, can you tell me your family's history of cancer? I started responding and then it hit me. I got this pain in my gut and I just started trembling and the doctor just said, so we found a mass and I just lost it. Wonderful panic attack. And uh, I just remember staring at my husband who was sitting, you know, across from me and just like, is this real life? Like it felt like something out of a movie. I just started hyperventilating and trying to catch my breath and just like, 
weeping and he didn't even get into what it looked like or how advanced or anything it was. So I looked at my husband and he came over and was holding me and I looked and I was like, cry, like cry, like feel whatever you feel. I want you to feel it. Like, I don't want you to be strong for me. I want you to feel, you know, and process whatever you're feeling. It's interesting because going back into those moments, my body is trembling because it's just the fear. The fear can just completely consume and overwhelm you, but it doesn't have to. She remembers praying at the edge of her bed, tells me how hard it was to do because of the rape trauma she was carrying and of how upset she was with God, of her struggles to grasp why a loving God would let her go through what she had gone through and why she had suffered so immensely. Emotions that in dealing with the anger, the frustration, and the fear she was facing only strengthened the grip of the Grim Reaper. So she decided she had to make a choice, to release the life and religious trauma that was pressing down on her shoulders, to believe that there is a God, and to believe that there is hope. As she explains it, God is hope. And from there, I took the pain inflicted on me by other people out of the way and built my relationship with God to allow peace instead of sorrow into my heart. Morgan shares a story. When I was diagnosed and I was thinking about death, it was really scary for me to think about that. Like, okay, what happens to us after we die? And you know, all of the intense feelings that surround us around death. But it doesn't have to be a terrible thing. And I know that sounds very strange because I'm in the position that I'm in now and I survived, right? But my aunt passed away from melanoma. She, I think it was three months after they diagnosed her that she passed away. And her story reached so many people because she decided in the moments that were the hardest and the worst for her that she was going to live in a beautiful state whether she was going to live, whether she was going to pass away, she said, I'm going to choose joy. In a state of joy, her aunt left this life. And to put on the hat of the critic for a moment, and as sweet as the statement presents, I have to ask myself, is this kind of optimism real? Especially when looking at the mortality of a loved one, and in Morgan's situation, the possibility of her own death. She shares more. I didn't know that one thing was possible and that's always possible and that's hope and choosing to have hope. And I feel like what's what, what makes me really sad and what I really discovered a lot through this whole process is that when people get a diagnosis like this, typically, you know, there's different types of people and people respond in different ways, but a lot of times people just give up. What their doctor tells them is what they decide to believe. And that's not your future. So the next doctor's appointment we went into was at the hospital I was diagnosed at. It was pretty severe. My eyes had, I had double vision in both eyes at that point because the tumor was growing behind both of my eyes. I had a tumor at the top of my brain that was on my Sinuses. So he starts explaining to me what kind of chemos. He said, we're going to start you on three types of chemos. Uh, they're very aggressive. And it's not going to get rid of the tumor. And there's a slight chance that we'll cure you. I didn't expect to hear this type of news from them. I, I expected there to be more hope, I guess. 
but the way he said it, the way he presented it to me, the way he didn't even look me in the eyes when he told me, it was like he was a zombie and I felt very little human connection and like he had already decided my fate. My husband was sitting behind him and he was just like, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Like he doesn't know your outcome. He doesn't know your fate. So we leave the doctor's office and I was like devastated. But there was another part of me that was like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like that's what I have to believe. So with hope, a harshly presented prognosis and fear she would not wake up the day after her wedding, Morgan and Lucas decided to go ahead and get married. A warm memory indeed, and one that can be inspiring to all of us. Yet in this outlook that they chose, there were many a low moment. She recalls one such instance, an experience that happened in the depths of her medical treatments. She tells us about it. I'm sitting outside on the picnic bench and I'm just weeping. And um, this guy comes and he sits next to us and I noticed him looking over. And I was curious because I was like, I feel like he's listening and I feel like he wants to say something. So after I cry, after we sit there and like we literally just prayed about the situation, like God just give us peace that we could just go through with it. And I'm sitting there and he looks over and he compliments Lucas's shoes. <laughs> like, you're trying to get in here, I know it. And then he goes, hey, he's like, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want you to know that I've been through really difficult situations in my life. He was an ex-Marine. He's like, I've done things that I could never live with myself. You know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for therapy and for God. And he's just like, but whatever you're facing, I want to tell you, you are incredible. He's like, I can just see it right now. You have so much strength. You can conquer anything that you want to. He's like, you can conquer anything that you set your mind to. And he's like, and I know that you will. Then he looks at me and he goes, can I give you a hug? And I was like, yeah, his name's Scott. I was like, yeah, Scott. And he hugs me and he's just squeezing me and I'm just, bawling. I was like, this is absolutely no coincidence. Like, you are literally an angel sent here to show up and just, like, love on me and encourage me when I needed it the most. And it impacted my life in a huge way. And and honestly, I can say, when, when Scott hugged me and he showed up in that moment, that's what gave me that peace. To me, that was God showing up saying, hey, like, I got you. You can let go because you're going to be okay. I call Morgan a healer. Yet in this reference, I intend to not place her on a pedestal. A status that I know in getting to know her is an accolade she has no ambition to receive. Morgan is just the kind of person who embraces others. An example that just as Scott was aware of her, she asks us to do the same regarding those around us. An empowering idea, but one that's not that easy to do. So I ask her, Morgan, but not all of us can do that. And what do you say to the person who did not have the positive outcome that you did? How can we ask someone who has suffered a great loss to find peace in the idea of letting go? She shares again. 
everyone believes something different and I'm never going to tell anybody what they have to believe. Um, but I chose to believe that there was life after this life. And the more I thought about it, the more I, I understood it. I actually had this incredible woman that I met and, um, her name's Julie. She had stage four breast cancer. She said, you know, Morgan, if you really believe in an afterlife, because we'd literally be laying next to each other and I'd come into to the treatment center bawling my eyes out some days and, and everyone there was older than me. You know, everyone's like in their 60s, 70s, you know? So I'm the, or the young couples or the honeymooners coming in to get uh, cancer treatments on our honeymoon. And uh, they were so sweet, so supportive, but I'd lay next to Julie and we'd just talk about life and what it looks like. And she'd always give me Bible verses and she'd tuck me in. She'd take, put a blanket over me and she'd tuck me in and she'd always take care of me. I loved her. But she said, Morgan, you know, if we really believe in an afterlife, we really believe that there's life after this and that there's, that God exists, then isn't it the best thing, the best thing that could happen, the best case scenario, or no, the worst, sorry, the worst case scenario, the worst thing that could happen is that we live. And I was like, you mean that we die? She's like, no, the worst thing that could happen is that we live. She's like, think about it. And it completely changed my mindset from that day on. I started thinking about it totally different. Like, wow, this is actually suffering. Like, this is suffering. Death is not suffering. I could be in euphoria at the end of a breath and wake up in the most incredible place I could ever think about, possibly imagine or experience. And I, I felt worse for my husband and for my family than I did for myself. Morgan credits a loving God and others for being angels to her. Speaks of suffering, the afterlife, of compassion and of love. And even though she was forecast a 6% chance of living, she accepted the fact that, in her words, she needed to let go. And comforted by the warmth given by her mother-like friend and cancer fighter, Julie, who presented a well-framed view of a place in which we are all heading, she still fought for life. And per the individual circumstances we are each living now, Morgan offers us a closing argument. The things that we go through, the difficulties that we go through, don't create our identity, but we're the ones that can decide that. We have a choice. And the only thing we actually can control in life is how we respond. The situations we can't control the situations control is an illusion if we think we can control our lives or control difficult or hard things that happen to us you know i thought i was special but i guess i'm not because obviously these terrible things happen to me i'm not that special and now i have all this trauma that i have to deal with or i could look at it as well those are gifts and our problems are the gifts that we grow from really just focus on what can I offer this world instead of, you know, what can this world offer me?
Morgan, thanks for being with us today. And the last few weeks, we've dealt with a lot of cancer stories. And over the course of Sidewalk Ghosts and even all the works I've been doing with Radstone Blog, we've talked to a lot of people about illness and faith and overcoming obstacles. So thank you for sharing your light, Morgan, and your story is pretty remarkable. To all of you out there who would like to be a guest on Sidewalk Ghosts, simply go to my website, sidewalkghosts.com, navigate to the podcast page, fill out the forms there, or simply toss me an email. I'll do all I can to get you on the show. Also, check out the Radstone blog. It's new. It's got all kinds of stories that support Sidewalk Ghosts. You can find it at radstoneblog.com. In it, I've challenged myself again to meet strangers every day and everywhere I can to bring their stories to light. And this go around, we're asking a special question, which is simply, why? If you like the show or the content I'm producing, please give me your comments, your likes, and your shares. They help more than you know in growing the message of Sidewalk Ghosts and even the Radstone blog now, and just help me wake up in the morning to keep this movement going. Remember the Patreon site's still there if you wanna help me grow this message even further. I need more resources to push this out further. Patreon.com forward slash Sidewalk Ghosts. And every little bit helps to do that. Still looking for sponsors? Anyone out there believes in our message? Give me a call, send me an email. I know we can do a lot together. And to all of us out there, and as always, please never forget, your individual impact truly does matter to someone else in the world. Talk soon, my friends.